Status. This is your host, Megan. Um, We are here today to talk about uh, what this podcast is, who it's for, and who I am. So I'm super excited to be here. Cannot wait to get started. Um, Yeah, I'll see you in there. Let's dig in. Hello, and thanks for joining me. Um, This is the very first episode of Mental Status, so I thought that I would take just a little bit of time to introduce this podcast, um, talk a little bit about what my goal is in hosting this podcast, and then tell you a little bit about myself, the person who is here with you on this journey. So this podcast has been kind of a long time in the making. Um, it's, it's come at the, not the tail end of a burnout journey for me, but, um, kind of, kind of towards the end there. So what I was thinking when I started this podcast was wanting to build a space for mental health practitioners. So it could be skills workers, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, really anybody who is in the professional helping field. Um, Of course, that includes social workers as well. There's just, there's so many different ways of working in the mental health field. And one of those major occupational hazards, as I'm sure we've all heard about, is burnout. Burnout and compassion fatigue. Those are the two big things that we are warned about so much during grad school and when we're getting supervision. Uh, I think that these days, especially, a lot of like grad programs are so, they're so adamant about talking about self-care for the practitioner because of this hazard of burning ourselves out. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know that early career burnout is a concern for a lot of folks who work in the mental health field. And it's something that we are so often told is like pretty much just our fault, I guess. Um, Of course, you know, there's something to be said about the, the way that our employers treat us, the way we're compensated or the work hours that we're expected to hold, productivity, um, engagement from the people who were helping, all this kind of stuff. All of that factors in. And I don't know if, if this has been your experience, but for me, whenever I have come to a supervisor with concerns about feeling burnt out or getting closer to that than I'm comfortable with, more often than not, I've been told to look at my own self-care habits, you know, so how, how am I sleeping? How am I eating? Am I meditating, relaxing, spending time with friends and all of that good stuff, right? Am I, am I not answering emails on the weekend unless I'm the person on call? Am I making sure that I turn off the work cell phone if I'm not on call? All of those things. And to be fair, those are really important aspects of taking care of yourself, when you are in the helping field. But what I often didn't hear was 
you know, hey, I, I hear that you're burnt out. So let's take a look at the way that this job in particular affects you and the structure of this job and the expectations placed upon you. You know, obviously there are things that we can't really do to control what upper management wants from us. But what we can do is control, um, you know, maybe some of the day-to-day stuff to try to lift some of that burden. I didn't, I didn't hear a lot of that. And it was really frustrating for me because I kept feeling like, okay, so there's something wrong with how I'm doing it. There's something wrong with my approach and the way that I'm taking care of myself and basically the way that I'm conducting my life. And it's, it's just all on me to fix. And, and that's, that's something that I've heard from a lot of my colleagues as well, and people who I went through school with and people who I've worked with, is this big, strong push for the, the worker themselves to take on the burden of the burnout. Now, let me just clarify. As I said, you know, just, just a minute or two ago, there is a lot of individual um, influencing factors, I guess we can call it, to burnout. And for some people more than others, it may very well be a very internal experience that is contributing to that burnout. But I've found the picture to be really incomplete and just dissatisfying to be told time and time again that if I just, you know, picked a self-care activity for the weekend and did that, that it would help me fight off this overwhelming, crushing feeling of how the fuck am I supposed to do this every single day? So this podcast, it's, it's here to start conversations with you, with you, the, the mental health practitioner, whatever your role is, um, to start a conversation with those of you who are on your way to burning out, or you might even be there already. I want to be able to talk about how burnout shows up in our lives, what we can actually do about it, and what to do when it feels like nothing is ever enough. Like when you reach that point where you can take a yoga class every day and you can get eight hours of sleep and you can meditate and you can spend time with your friends and it's just not enough. So the big question is why? Um, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of other folks out there talking about this and, you know, there are academic papers about it and there are articles uh, in the psychology today about burnout and all of the different ways that, you know, the practitioner can take care of themselves so that they can continue to help, you know, take care of yourself so that you can continue doing your job. So why this podcast? Well, first of all, um, I think it's really important that we, we start conversations around how, of course, it's important for you to be able to take care of yourself so that you can continue taking care of others. But we also need to really emphasize the fact that you are a human, too, who also deserves to take care of you for the simple fact that you are not because you are a helper, not because you need to do your job, not because you need to meet your productivity hours, but because you are a human. 
your job description, even if it feels like your calling, this is your passion, it is not everything that you are. And I feel so strongly about this because for myself, throughout, you know, my my early career, I'm to be quite honest, I'm not even that far into it. I have felt so trapped in the mindset of I need to be good so that I can keep doing. I need to do good for me so that I can continue doing for others. And while it feels like a good, quote unquote, good way to approach it at the time, I was still approaching my own wellness as a mental health practitioner only through the lens of taking care of others. Not even because I believed that I truly deserved to feel as good as I was trying to help others feel. So that's a big part of the why for me. Because we're, we're fucking human too, right? Um, we deserve to feel well and feel like we are in a place that is good for ourselves. Not just so that we can help others, but so we can help us. And so we can be present in what we're doing in our lives. So... Why am I making this podcast? Um, Well, I was thinking of my fellow colleagues, all of you who are maybe feeling like you're in the same boat or you've been there and you you really want to try to figure out how to keep that boat from sinking again Uh, because you're tired, Uh, you're frustrated, scared, right? Like being burned out can be a really scary experience because it starts... For a lot of people, it can, it can start pushing you down that line of thinking of, my God, can I actually do this for the next 20, 30, even 40 years of my life? How, how am I going to do this? So it's really scary, especially the first time that you come up against true burnout and you're sitting there with just yourself thinking, how the hell am I going to make it through? So you know, you end up you're not sure what to do. And for some people, I've heard them describe it as just like their heart is breaking because they've put so much into this career. You've put so much into being the helper and being the one that others turn to that when they can't take on anymore, it hurts because that's not where they want it to be. And it opens up this whole new world of uncertainty. You, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen next. And for some folks, the experience that they have is, I don't fucking care what happens next. I'm done. This sucks. How can, how can anybody work this way? Now that's kind of on that extreme end of burnout, but it's, it's probably more common than, than you or I think. I mean, I've been there at times. I've been in the place mentally and emotionally where I've had to sit with myself and say, what the hell? What am I doing? Why do I feel this way? Why can't I just, why can't I just eat better and, you know, take a couple of days off, maybe a whole week if I want to be nice to myself and come back feeling as good as I did when I sat down for my first grad school class about the Helping Relationship 101. I was so excited back then. Why am I not excited? But the biggest thing that I've found, and you know, 
you may have found this too, if you've ever had your own burnout journey, is it's really lonely to be in a place of burnout. It's a really um, isolating experience. And it's an experience that can manifest in so many different ways, right? It can be anxiousness. It can be irritability, depression, listlessness, right? All of these things that we have gone to school or gone to special trainings or spent a lot of the time in the field learning how to help people work with and overcome. And here we are. We have ended up in the space where so many of the people who come to us have been. And we don't know how to help ourselves. We don't know how to help ourselves. Because we've got all of these techniques and all of these uh, modalities that we've used. And we've got ideas from other people who have told us, you know, try this or do that. And it just, it doesn't work at least not as well as we think it should. And it's a really almost devastatingly lonely place to be, especially at the height of your burnout. Um, because even, even if you do surround yourself with people who have been there and who have some understanding, um, it's, it's your burnout. It's your experience with it. It's your thought process that you are working with in those moments. It's that negative, uh, that negative thinking spiral that you take yourself down. Nobody takes you down that spiral. It's just you. And so that, that's another big reason why I wanted to start this podcast because I've been there. I've been you. I've been tired and frustrated and scared. I have been, um, really hard on myself and it's been hard on my relationships with myself and with others. It has affected me in ways that I didn't know were possible when I was in grad school. You know, I was, I'm thinking back to myself now as the, the bushy tailed, bright eyed little grad student who was just so um, so entranced by the idea of having my therapist's couch and my notebook and sitting there and helping people. And I would think to myself, you know, I've been through so much in my life. I, I can't see myself getting burnt out on this. I can't see it. Burnout's for other people. I might feel tired, you know, and I know I'll hear difficult stories and, I'll have days that feel tougher than others, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to get burnt out. And boy, was I wrong. Right? I, I, was, I, was so, I was so wrong. And I wish, I wish that at the time that I was experiencing my first real hardcore encounter with burnout, I wish that I had somewhere that I felt I could turn someone I could talk to, who wasn't just a colleague that I was commiserating with, but somebody who could really help me walk through that path. I mean, of course I had supervisors, and of course I had 
professionals who had come before me who had been through their own burnout. Um, but it was still just such a lonely place to be. And, and I don't, I don't want that type of loneliness to persist among those of us who do this work. Because, I mean, let's be real. Mental health practitioners, people who work with other people, we're fantastic, right? Like, we're, we're a really cool bunch of people. And we have so many, so many diverse experiences and things that we bring to the table. And the process of becoming a helper is so, I don't know, for me, it was transformative. It was something that I could have never imagined before I started. Um, And it just, it opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And the thing that breaks my heart these days is thinking that there are so many amazing and talented and passionate helpers out there who feel so goddamn lonely and so frustrated and just up to their eyeballs in not knowing what the fuck to do-ness that they withdraw into themselves or they withdraw from their relationships. They withdraw from the work itself because, you know, they taught us a lot of stuff in grad school and probably even in our first couple of jobs that we had Our supervisors taught us a lot about the clinical relationship and conceptualization and ways to work with different populations and even, you know, probably a good amount of personal and professional development. But nobody really, truly walked us. Okay, I know I can't speak for you. Nobody truly walked me through the process of, of burnout, what it looks like and how to walk out of it. Um, I had some supervisors who, who were able to provide some helpful guidance, but all the same, it was a very lonely experience. So, and I've talked a lot about all of this burnout stuff and why I find it so important. So maybe it's about time almost 20 minutes in for me to uh, just introduce myself a little bit and talk about who I am, um, where I've come from, and I mean, why, why I'm here talking about burnout. So my name's Megan. I'm a licensed mental health counselor associate. I'm still an associate. Uh, I live in Indiana. Um, and I've been working professionally, full-time as a mental health therapist for about two and a half years. We'll say two and a half years. Uh, So I'm pretty new here, and I am goddamn lonely. Let me just tell you that. Um, I've gone through the burnout cycle at least twice. So hear that. Uh, Two and a half years of professional work and I've gone through the burnout cycle twice. Okay, so that right there has told me that my approach to the way that I work with other people and the way that I approach this profession is some kind of out of whack. And I've, I've had to do a lot of 
stepping back and really looking at how I approach this in order to, um, to help myself. Um, you know, and, and for my burnout, a lot of the time it has looked like irritability, anxiousness. Uh, I, I get short with people. And for some reason, a lot of the time when I am starting to approach burnout mode, I find that my mind really starts to go into scarcity mode. I still haven't quite figured that one out. Um, so I start reaching for n- new things to do, new projects, new things to latch on to, um, new jobs, all this kind of stuff. Like my mind is in freak out mode because it's like, yo, this isn't working. This isn't, this isn't good. So we need to find a way out. We need to go. Um, this has, this has led me to, um, a lot of the time feeling stuck, like I had no choice. I wanted to get out, but I had no choice. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't. And that at its worst put me in kind of like a hopeless, hopeless state of mind. I didn't feel like I had any, any way to go where I wanted to go, where I thought I wanted to go. I was just stuck. Um, this would often look like, you know, laying in bed on a Sunday night, staring up at the ceiling, just crying, sobbing, and my fiance laying next to me, not knowing how to do a goddamn thing for me. Just this overwhelming sense of, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So my burnout wasn't only just festering inside of me and really creating this internal chaos, but it was spilling out into my close relationships. I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I was not a happy person when I was burnt out. It, I, I think that it would be really hard to find someone who's totally burnt out at work, but who feels otherwise just you know, pretty darn good. Um, I'm sure somebody like that exists. I would like to meet them to see what, what their secret is. Um, but it was, it was a really, the times that I know I was really burnt out, um, it took a toll, a pretty drastic one on my ability to fully engage in the other areas of my life that felt important. And I was neglectful at times of the needs of my, my partners and my family. I was neglectful of my friends. I'm pretty sure being burnt out made me kind of a selfish person. And I didn't like that. Um, being a helper, part of that identity for me for a long time has been selflessness. And so to get to a place of being selfish in, in how burnt out I was and how irritable and annoyed and frustrated and feeling stuck. It was a really, it was a frustrating place to be and to feel so selfish and to not know what to do about it. And 
at the worst of it, it just became all-consuming. It was something that I thought about uh, going to sleep at night and something that I thought about first thing in the morning, and it followed me from day to day, even on the weekends. So through my burnout cycles, as I, as I made moves to try to get myself out of that headspace, I had to learn and relearn a lot of things about myself and about the way that I do this work and uh, the, the environments that I've been in where I've been doing this work. So I had to learn that n- not all of it is my fault. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying about um, some of the more systemic reasons for burnout. Uh, I think a lot of us are told that it is very much an individual problem with, without being given the chance to look at the working environments and the requirements that are made of us uh, when we enter this field, especially, and I'll say this, especially for early career therapists. Um, that, that's something that I, that really gets me fired up. Um, maybe because I'm still an early career therapist, I'm still in the thick of it, but having walked through that process of getting supervised and working toward my independent license, there, I've, there's just been a lot, right? I can't, I can't really get into that in this particular episode, but it, it, that's going to be something that I'm going to explore um, in future episodes. So, yes, I, I had to learn that not all of my burnout was my fault, but some of it, most of it, is, right? So I, a lot of the time, was freaking out over things that were not fully in my control, And I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm anxious and freaking out, I tend to, like in my worst states, I tend to put that on other people or other situations and say, if, man, if only they would just stop being such assholes or stop expecting this or just understand, then I would be fine. So a big part of what I had to learn was taking some of that back onto myself and recognizing what I could actually change and what I couldn't and working with that, you know, because as long as I got myself stuck being pissed off about the things that weren't actually in my control, I really was stuck because I was waiting for something else external to me to change. So that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn was differentiating between what I could control and what I couldn't. It took a pretty hard um, mental shift for me. I, I had to step back from myself and have some hard conversations with myself and really say, you know, um, you can be as pissed off as you want about the productivity requirements at this job you don't have to be at this job if you hate it that much. And it, <laughs> it sucked to have to tell myself that um, because I, I believed that it wasn't, it wasn't me that had to change, it was them. 
Um, and in some cases, in many cases, that just, it wasn't true. Uh, and as I had those hard, hard conversations with myself, I had to allow those negative emotions to be there and to just be without telling myself, well, I'm pissed off, but you know, I, I really shouldn't be like, I should be happy to be helping people. I should be happy to just have the opportunity to, um, you know, be a therapist in the first place. That wasn't helpful. That didn't do anything for me. That didn't solve my burnout. That didn't, um, make me feel more gratitude. It just, it confused me. It confused my process of learning uh, my own role in how I felt versus, um, you know, I don't know, what I could control versus what I couldn't. So, like I said, I'm two and a half years into my career. I've been burnt out at least twice. I'm still here. I still believe in the work. Um, I still believe in being a helper. I don't think we always have to do it the way, exactly the way that we've been told. Uh, I think that this world is shifting a lot. Um, and the way that we take care of ourselves as helpers needs to change along with that world. Um, and that's something that has been really, really apparent to me as I have gone through these early years of my career. Um, but <laughs> like I said, um, there's more to me and there's more to you than just the work that we do. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about who I am and what I'm bringing to the table. So I am a white cis straight woman. Uh, I am engaged. This will be my second marriage. Um, I, <laughs> I got married for the first time relatively young. I think it was, gosh, what was I? Uh, 23, maybe 24 years old. So not super young, but I was pretty young. And that marriage ended up lasting uh, a whole 11 months before things started going down the drain. Um, and I ended up divorced by the age of 25. Um, that was in, gosh, what year was that? 2014. And a lot of things were happening in my life at that time. In addition to losing my marriage, um, I think it was... I think it was the same week that my ex-husband told me that he wanted to end things. I got laid off from a new job I'd had for about two months. Uh, at the time, I was working in marketing. I was a copywriter and editor and worked, worked marketing for a, a little grocery delivery service out in um, Boulder, Colorado. So I got laid off. And my husband told me that he wanted to divorce me. And about a week later, my grandfather died. So within the span of about a month, less than that, really, 
my entire life just blew up in front of my eyes. And I had to make some really quick decisions about how I was going to move forward. So at the time I was living in Colorado, in Denver with my then husband, we had moved there from Minnesota a couple years prior um, because we wanted to get out of the Midwest. We wanted to do something different. But when all of that happened, I, I moved back home to Minneapolis with my tail between my legs. I lived in my dad's basement. I drank a lot, um, mostly to put myself to sleep, but eventually just out of pure habit, you know, I, I got into the habit of not, not allowing myself to feel much of anything. Um, and, and I did that for another year or so. I drank a lot until, um, well, actually, no, I did that for two more years, two more years. So I moved home to Minnesota in 2014. And by the end of 2015, I was still drinking and finally living on my own. I had moved out of my dad's basement a, a while before that. Um, living on my own, still drinking a lot and seeing a therapist of my own. And I had mentioned to this therapist that you know, I've been thinking about wanting to become a therapist. Yeah, I, I had for a brief, a hot second when I was still married, we went to a marriage counselor and I think we only had like two, maybe three sessions, but it had been such a profound uh, experience for me that it just, it stuck with me. And I'd really thought about it for quite some time. Like, you know, I've been through some shit. Um, I bet I could help some other people get through some shit. I want to be a therapist. And my therapist looked at me and he said, do it, do it. I think, I think you could be a good therapist if you wanted to. Um, and as I was looking at programs, I was fretting about like the cost and the time. And I was in my mid twenties and I was going to lose all this time to go into grad school. I wasn't going to build my wealth and buy a condo in the city because I was going to be, you know, a poor graduate student living with roommates or with their parents again. Um, so it was a scary prospect for me, but eventually I, I just, decided that I had to do it. I had to do it. So I started grad school in 2016, early 2016, and graduated in 2019. Uh, The program that I was part of was actually a distance program. So almost the entire thing I did online from a distance. My university was located on the East Coast, and I was living in the Midwest. So that was a whole different experience of not having a cohort around me, um, not having my professors whose offices that I could just easily walk into, have a chat. That, That was my earliest experience with being lonely in this field. 
and feeling like I was going to have to do a lot of this on my own. Um, so after I graduated, the first job that I had was working as a multi-systemic therapist. And that was for the first year out of grad school. And if you haven't heard of multi-systemic therapy, it's, it's actually pretty cool. Um, it's a really intensive uh, home-based therapy. You do a lot of work with parents who um, their kiddos are having a hard time with, uh, with their behaviors, right? So drug use, noncompliance, truancy, all this kind of stuff. And it was a very challenging program to be part of and gave me my first, my first bout with burnout. Um, I learned my first really hard lesson about putting boundaries around my time and my energy when I was working with families. And that was hard because we had a rotating on-call schedule. So once a month, my phone would be on all weekend and every time it would ring, it would just get some, you know, heart palpitations like, my gosh, I have to answer a crisis call right now. And it it was a hard gig. Uh, I learned a lot there and I had, I had a really great supervisor who he saw my burnout before I did. He could hear it in my voice. He could see it on my face. Like I would show up to our meetings of course, they were like 8.30 in the morning, just drained with a large, large cup of coffee or an energy drink. Um, and he saw it. He saw it before I ever did and named it for me. And the first time he named it, I was just like, shit, you know, like, shit, I'm, I'm burning out. I've been in this job for four months and I am burning out. So I, in that process, that was one of those moments where I did get a really good piece of advice from a supervisor about how to take control over my own schedule, because I was, I was allowing my clients to dictate my schedule, which was a mess. Um, So I got some good logistical advice in that regard. Um. And eventually I, I made it out of that burnout. Um, I wasn't like 110% by the end of it, but I was able to, I was able to be myself and do my job and do it well. So after about a year of that job, um, actually in the middle of 2020, I moved from Minneapolis to rural Indiana Um, I moved there to be with my fiance. We had actually, we had started the planning process in January of 2020. And, um, you can imagine how that went, (laughs) but I did it. I, I moved to rural Indiana. So another part of what has uh, made this such an interesting journey for me is I've always lived in either suburban or urban areas. So now I'm living in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> um, trying to work as a therapist with a rural population, which is so far out of my scope of knowledge that it has been its own type of adjustment. Um, but 
I'm here and I've actually been in Indiana for a year. And when I first got here, I started applying to jobs. You know, I had gotten my associate license. I was ready to go. Um, And I landed a job with a nonprofit doing really similar work to what I was doing in Minneapolis. I was like, okay, this is good. Um, You know, I can, I can do this. I've I've been here before, but (laughs) I was wrong. Um, That, that job, that job burned me out faster than I thought was possible. And it wasn't just like getting to the point where I needed to do some adjustments. It was to the point where I was crying between sessions. I was crying on Sunday nights. I felt numb. And I just, I couldn't do it. I was frustrated. I was driving all over the place. Um, I I felt like my uh, concerns, they were being heard by management, and um, it was one of those things where there wasn't a lot that an individual could do to change the way the the whole company worked. So I quit that job after three months. I left, and I took a major leap into working with a group practice, which again, that, that's been a whole, just like moving to a rural area. I'm now a private practice therapist in a rural town. Um, there's a lot that I don't know. There's a lot that I have been surprised by. And even though this, this particular arrangement is it's most ideal for me. Um, it's also most lonely because I don't have, I don't have the, uh, the colleagues anymore to banter with. Um, so I'm in this new stage of figuring out where I am professionally and, and where I go from here. So overall, I'm much happier and I'm not as burnt out I say not as, not as burnt out where I am right now. Um, I've had some glimmers of burnout and, you know, in this particular configuration, because I am so independent um, and there, there are so few sort of stipulations or restrictions or structures around me, and I'm the one who's deciding how I build my day working with my burnout has been a much more internal process for me. There's been a lot more that I've had to look inside um, than looking externally at the structures around me. Um, so that's, that's kind of my like history, my personal journey. Um, a few more just other small notes about myself, I guess, that'll probably influence how I approach things is um, I am sober I know I mentioned earlier that I uh, started drinking a lot after my divorce. Um, And I actually, I quit in the summer of 2016, about six months into my grad program. And I've been sober since. Um, So that has actually informed a lot of my own process and how I approach uh, working with others and working with myself. Um, I... I'm also a certified yoga teacher, although, you know, like most 
most people like myself, I have had great visions of incorporating yoga into my own personal practice. Um, haven't gotten there yet, but it is still a very deeply personal part of, uh, you know, my, maybe not my day-to-day life, but at least week by week, it's something that I incorporate into my world. Um, and for now, it's, it's my world outside of work, which has been really nice. Um, and that, you know what, I've been talking for a while, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited to have this space, um, and to feel a little bit, a little bit less lonely. I was going to say a little bit lonely, a little bit less lonely being able to be here with you, somebody else who may also be tired or scared or frustrated, not knowing what to do next, um, I just want to say it'll be, it'll be okay, regardless, whether you stay in the field or you don't, um, there's a way through it. And I think that's something that I needed to know when I was younger, younger in my career, um, as I was going through these early stages of figuring myself out as a helping professional. And there's still a lot that is, you know, yet to be figured out. I, highly doubt that I am done with burnout. Um, but I want to approach it in a different way. So yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for it. I hope you are too. Um, I'm sure being excited about much of anything is if you're far enough into burnout, it can feel, it can feel hard. And I see that, but I'm really glad that you're here and I'm glad that we're going to be able to keep having this conversation. Thanks so much for joining and I will see you next time. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, If you liked what you heard, feel free to hit that subscribe button on the uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, If you'd like, you can give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You know, that always helps. I appreciate it very much. If you want to connect uh, somewhere else other than on the show, you can find me on Instagram at mentalstatuspod, and you can find my website at mentalstatus.transistor.fm. Thanks.